So, Heavenly Father, we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Asante, Pastor Manu. Ketini chini, asante sana. Let me extend a warm welcome to everyone who is here for the very first time. Mogeni wetu. Asante niko kuja. And also especially to mention Pastor Sheila Mukoto, who is here with us today. She is one of the leaders in the movement. She's actually the COO for Mavuno. Eh? So we are privileged to be with you here today. Amen. I am excited about being here uh, dressed in white trousers, dressed by Manu. The excitement comes from, I'm told, this theme for this month, eh, to buy red, to buy white trousers. So if you're in white trousers, you're in the spirit. They're the ones who uh, moved ahead of the spirit. So it's good to be here today. To talk about money, to start our series. Eh? In fact, they usually say, don't start with jokes, but today I want to start with a joke. It's a really funny joke about money. Do you want to hear it? It's a joke about money. Eh? I, I, I coined it. Yeah. It's a joke about money. I coined it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those jokes you have to explain. Yeah. <laughs> no, I coined it. But uh, I want to start with a question today. Eh? And the question is to you eh? what's one thing you wish you knew about money when you were younger? What's one thing you wish you knew about money? when you are younger. So take a moment, think about it. Then if you want, you can share with one person next to you what that is. One thing. You wish you knew about money when you are younger. And then if there's a mic, I'd like to hear some responses from a few people. would like to tell us or what they have had or if they didn't have a chance to share with someone what they have thought as Catherine just put up your hand Catherine will give you the mic yes we have someone here one thing you wish you knew about money when you were younger go on you can say your name as well Okay, as, she, as the uh, mic is coming morning, on. Morning, Mavuno. Mm -hmm. My name is Lillian. Um, I wish I had not let it uh, control my emotions. When I have it, I'm very happy. And <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay. So, kimona le yuko kujua na juu. Hey, that's a day to ask. Unasanzeri nambao. Asimba usombili. Tengambili. Okay, that's a good one. Anyone else? I see. Did you put your hand up there? No. Okay. All right, go on, Bwana Karanja. Mm. Good morning, Mavuko. Yeah, my name is uh, Professor Karanja. I'm the older brother to Wamaitha there. Glad okay. to Wamaitha. Wamaitha, you know, I'm going to talk to Yes, I'm a church elder also at um, the ACK Church in Kasarani. Good, Karibu. But now... 
I'm your guest. Yes. Money. Money. I'm talking about money. Yes, just one thing you wish money. you knew about money when you were younger. Money buys me pain. Money does not stay in the pocket. It just comes and flies away. Mm. So you've got to be ready for that. Okay. Plan ahead before you get it. Because it's going to leave you as fast as it, as it came. Yep. Thank you. That, that, that reminds me of your... Remember when we were talking about money walks? If you don't tell your money where to go, which is a budget, it will come in and fly, right? Thank you, Bonakaranja. Yes, last one. Oh, Christos. <laughs> My brother here says, Haipandangui kwa mti. Haipandangui kwa mti. Alikuwa nafikiri natoka kwa ATM. Yes. Akiwa yanga. Yeah. Uh, mm. For me, I think uh, a lesson that I learned early was uh, money money shouldn't define who you are whether you have a lot yeah. or you have a little yeah. it doesn't change the character or the person who you are because at times most people when you have more your character changes so i think it's it shouldn't change who you no matter how much you have uh, it should your identity should be in you not in that what you have okay uh, a lesson that i wish i learned earlier was uh, the value of every single coin that you that you make because mm. at times you can be making a lot of money but you but you don't um, value every single cent because you think you have a lot okay yeah good so even if you have a lot ching ching every little coin that comes in makes sense and you need to take care of it for me personally it was um, the issue of investing i wish i had known earlier just the value of putting down money into some assets yeah I remember, like, for instance, the prices of land in Sokimao and such places, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have bought it without thinking, you know, not saving much. But now, years later, you can't even get it. You know, our Connect, Mavuno South Connect, is, is seeking to get land in Sokimao. It's now 32 million shillings an acre. Squeezo zilikwani kituna nini. So, I, I, I wish I'd known the value of land and investing earlier, because it would have made a big difference in my life. Nuangapi wana skei papa. I thought to a real estate, I'm sure you feel that, eh? Yeah. They say the next best time is this one, because uh, many years in future will be saying, but they land in Tsukima was 32M. <laughs> Only. <laughs> so, jikakamue sasaibi. Now, at Mavuno Church, we like to talk about money. And... Uh, some people wonder why the church should talk about money, and especially at this time when we hear the stories out of Shikahola Forest, isn't it? Where it's just astonishing, unfortunate stories, uh, and people sort of associate the church now, as, as far as money is concerned, with manipulation, false promises, and self, you know, people gratifying themselves. Uh, but we believe that... Um, we need to talk about money because it's important, nevertheless, even at this time when it might be a bit, feel a bit sensitive to say some of the few things I'm going to be saying today. And that's for several reasons. And the reason number one we like to talk about money here at Mavuno is that money influences the eternal things. Money influences the eternal things. You see, it plays such a large part in our lives so that um, if our life, if our money is not ordered in accordance to God's will, then 
we are really going to be out of line. Our whole lives will be out of line if our money is not in line, right? And remember that we talk about um, wealth and riches in two aspects. There is a wealth and riches that is temporal, the material things of this world. The ones that we will leave behind with us will not go anywhere with them, yeah? And then there is the spiritual riches, which are the um, eternal riches. They are more lasting and more important, which will carry through into the next life. And you remember Jesus says, use those things here to give yourself what? A lasting, lasting riches. And so we, we cannot act as though material wealth is not significant, it's not important, because the Bible makes it clear that the way we use our material wealth influences and affects what sort of eternal wealth we shall have, okay? And so for that reason, we need to talk about money. The other thing that the reason we talk about money is that really money is not evil. You know, it said, some people say money is evil, but it is not. And there are many ways to say about that, but I have this scripture that will tell us that money is not evil. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12, it's a, it's, it's a place where the, the 24 elders and the angels and all those around the throne, they fall down and bow before Christ and they declare this. They make this declaration in a loud voice. They are saying, worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Seven things that are associated and that, that, that Jesus is worthy to have and to receive. And the second one of that list is wealth or riches, things to do with money. And so essentially, if it was a bad thing, would we be saying Jesus is associated with that? No, not at all. Never mind that some of the things on those lists can actually be misused. Just as money is misused by people, you will find that even power can be misused, right? Even, even things like strength can be used, misused to, to, to oppress, but the fact that they can be misused does not mean that they are essentially wrong in themselves. And so Jesus is associated with wealth and riches, and so it cannot be that money is evil. The other reason is that scriptures talk about money. Scriptures talk about money. I mean, Jesus himself, he said, talked about money more than love or heaven and such other things. And some of the famous quotes we talk about money uh, actually come from Jesus, like on the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? Jesus talked about money a lot. But also the, the, the rest of the scriptures talk about money. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Apostle James talks about money. Uh, the Apostle Paul's, Paul sets aside two chapters in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse, chapter 8 and chapter 9 to just talk about money. He does only one for love, eh? Two for money <laughs> in Corinthians. So it really must be significant. And so if the scriptures teach about these things, then we need to talk about money. And Paul, at the end of his ministry in Acts chapter 20, remember when he brought the elders together from, from Ephesians and he was giving him the last charge? He said these words. He said that we had, uh, um, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And so if we, are to, if we, as um, ministers of the gospel, do not talk about the whole counsel of God, that includes money, then we'll be, what, delinquent. It will be criminal for us not to do that. And so we always need to talk about money. So that if we don't teach about money, then we'll be saying here that there are certain things we wish we knew when we were younger. And this is the time that we should be teaching those things. Amen? 
But there's a practical reason as well. So I'm saying it influences the eternal. Money is not evil. Scriptures and the word talks about money a lot. And there's a practical reason, and that is the reality we are in right now. You know, we, we, we are going through tough financial times, clearly, as a country. We've just come through a global pandemic. Then it's been followed by some things that do not involve us. Eh? Then it's followed by some international war, Ukraine and Russia. Alongside that, we've come into climate change issues of a long drought here in Kenya. Then we've had that political volatility in our country. And all these things have compounded, you know, whether it's to influence supply chains or to reduce food supply and all that. And we've ended up in one of the toughest times in our generation. Really, things are really tough. And reminds me of the scripture of Psalm 11.3 that says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the things are going the way they are. What do we do? And so, as God's people, we must seek God's realities for these crazy times. And therefore, we have to talk about what to do in these circumstances. And inevitably, we'll need to talk about money. Which is why then in this month, we start a new series. And the series is entitled, When the Going Gets Tough, Financial Principles for Thriving in Uncertain Times. And through this month, we'll be looking at four basic kingdom principles um, about finance, kingdom finance, and we'll look at how they can help us succeed in these difficult times. And if you've been in Mavuno for long, there are some principles you'll hear again, but we have to keep, as Peter says, we say this thing so that we can remind you, right? Keep reminding you and, and teaching. And, and, and the scriptures also say, teach until we obey, Yeah? And so we'll continue talking about them because hearing them over and over again helps us to crystallize, to take them in, and to apply them. And so if it's something that you've had before, don't worry. It is really what God is asking us to do in this season. And I believe these uh, principles are, are essential for us today and in these times that we're in. And our hashtag is when the going gets tough. When the going gets tough. So please stand with me to our main scripture for this month. Um, the one that we're going to study each week, we'll pick something, and then we're going to explore that principle out of it. And I'll start by reading just the first two verses of, of that portion of Scripture. And it's uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 27. But I'll just be doing the first two verses of that um, passage. And here it was, here's what it says. While they were still listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. I don't know whether it's minas or minas. Let me, minas, let me use minas for now. And, and, and he said, put this money to work. Until I come back. Alright, so he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, one each, and says, Put this money until I come back. I want you to note that uh, Jesus in this parable, Jesus gives this parable in response to the people's expectations. You know, they were expecting that now he's going to go into Jerusalem, bah, overthrow Kilakitu, become the new leader, finish the Romans, 
and bring in the, 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 you know, the, 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 the just and true rule where the Jews would be supreme. And he's giving this parable to correct that impression. And so he tells him um, this parable to show just how the kingdom of God really works. And it's important to note that he says that the kingdom of God will not come necessarily by changing the existing order. It was not going to come and overthrow, but it was going to come within that existing order. In other words, that even when, in our case, God has promised acceleration and ease, it's not going to necessarily come out of changing your complete circumstances. You know, change a new job, new area, when I'm a Jew and all that. No, no, not necessarily. See, Ivo. <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> But uh, that God will bless you within the reality you are in. And so that if you're in difficult circumstances, you probably should not be looking at, but God is going to work through those circumstances and give you victory. Now, it's clear from the beginning that um, on the one hand, there's the owner, the man of noble birth, and there's the servants, and he gives each of them Amina. And there's no dispute about who the money belonged to, is there? Akuna. And I want to say today that this is one of the fundamental principles for kingdom money management. When you begin to understand and apply these principles, it changes everything. You will never be a kingdom money manager if you don't understand this principle. And what's that principle? It's a fact that everything I have belongs to God. Not just the 10% we give us tithe, but everything belongs to God. And there are enough scriptures that say why everything belongs to God. You know, if you read this, you know, the Bible interprets itself, really. It explains itself in various ways. And there are many portions where we can say that, um, you know, everything belongs to God. Right now, we are reading through the New Testament together. Are we? Tumefika wapi? Wale wanasoma tuko wapi? Wale wawasomi wako wapi? So we're in the book of John. And... You know, it struck me just this week when I was going through First John and verse 2. You know, it says, I have some various favorite stats to the, to the Bible. Eh? There's various books of the Bible that just start nicely. You know, that which was from the beginning, which we have had, which we have touched. Uh, this will tell you about the, which book is that? Which book is that? No, sweet. That which was from the beginning, which we have, uh, which we have seen, which have taught. What's that? No. All right. It's actually First John. First John, where he's talking about, you know, how, how they have been with Jesus, they have touched him, they felt him, and that's why they are telling us. He's telling us about um, these things. Um, yeah. So that I was just. The other one would be Hebrews. How does Hebrews start? In the past, God spoke to us in sundry times. That's the old King James Version in various ways. But in these days, he speaks to us through his? Ah, okay. John 3.16? <laughs> so, so, John is the other one that, um, that starts very well that I remember memorable. How does it start? In the beginning was a word, and the word was... And the word was God, right? And then in verse 2 it says, Through him 
all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All right? And so he has created everything. Belongs to him. Okay? That's one of the reasons why we say belong, everything belongs to God. But also, another favorite scripture of mine is Psalm 24 and verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything, including the people inside, belong to who? To God. Let's go to Haggai. I hear some people calling it Haggai. All right, Haggai and chapter 2 and verse 8. And there is God where he's talking about the rebuilding of the temple and says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And in saying silver and gold, he means all the money is mine. Everything belongs to God. Then there's the other one that we like saying in our prayers. It's Psalm 50 and verse 9 to 12. And God there says, uh, he's challenging and telling the Israelites, I don't need your sacrifices. Don't bring me those goats and sheep here. I don't need them. For every animal in the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills. For the world is mine and all that is in it. So, I mean, I wouldn't need your sacrifices. I own everything. That's what God is saying. How many of us have not made a prayer with a cattle on a thousand hills are yours? <laughs> yeah, but it really means that what? Everything belongs to God. And so it's easy to feel it's my job, it's my salary, it's my business, I've built it up myself, I've sweated it out, you know, it's my property, but essentially it is God who gives us and even entrusted you with the, that ability to make wealth because he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 where Moses reminds the Israelites, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to make or produce wealth and so con confirms his covenant, his covenant of blessing, which we saw to your ancestors as it is today. So what we're essentially saying is that God owns everything. We don't own it. We are simply stewards and caretakers of what is in our possession. And so all the resources I have are for a reason. And God, who owns it, ultimately expects some accounting for it. He owns it. I manage it. And really, if this sinks into your if, if, if we really truly believe this, it will change our paradigms. It will completely change how we relate to wealth and possessions. Quelly. So if everything belongs to God, as we have said, what's the implication of, of that ownership principle and that we call the ownership principle? And how do we apply it to help us in these increasingly uncertain times? What would be the implication that God owns everything? Anyone who want to hazard a guess and say, I think because God owns everything, therefore. Any bold soul? Let me tell you that I find it, soon I'll be doing that, I'll be turning this into a discussion and I ask you for your input. And then I, I give you what I have prepared as the word. But since I did not warn you, I'll just say that one of the implications really, is that because he owns everything, he can take care of us, right? And we can actually live a fear-free life. See, one of the biggest stresses we have as people is the area of finances, isn't it? We are concerned about 
what we will eat, where we will live, rent, kama imedipwa, you know, we'll be looking at, now we are looking at school fees. Tunarudi shule this week, eh? we're looking at school fees, we're concerned also about lifestyle, mafuta imefika wapi, agari, tunenda vipi. These are the things that keep us uh, concerned and, and cause people to do I- I- even things that would stretch them beyond uh, what is reasonable. But if I fully understand and believe that everything belongs to God, then I should not have a fear in my life for these things. Listen to what Jesus says in, Mark, uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. That's someone of the mountain that I was talking about, 25 to 30. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat and drink, or about your body, what you will wear. White trousers. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow it's thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? You see, our first reaction when we have needs, and we have many, like I've listed, is usually not to turn to God and say, God, you can supply. It's usually to wonder, who can sort me out? Who do I talk to? Where can I get this? That's what comes to mind, usually, the first thing we do. We don't look at God as one who can supply. And the hind- what hinders us is that we are so caught up with what we must do to survive that we forget to actually turn and focus to God. And if that portion of Scripture is true, then it means that God can and will supply our needs. And it's not just supplying. You see, when, when you look at there, he says, even Solomon, you know, the splendor of those things, God can supply to more than you need. And that's what we call abundance. When the Bible talks about abundance, in fact, the word is like, you know, the way the wave goes over, or like the way you fill a cup and it overflows. Abundance is an aspect of overflowing. Abundance is an aspect of more than enough. So, for instance, if you need groceries of 5,000 bob, that's what you need. Now, in the supermarket, if you have 3,000 shillings, you are in lack. Lack your L-A-C-K. You are lacking. If you have 5,000 shillings, you have sufficient. If you have more than 5,000 shillings, you have abundance. You can actually meet your need and have something to spare. And that's God's principle for the kingdom. He always wants us to have, if you read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he talks of abundance because he wants us to have more than we need so that we're able to give and meet the needs of others. Okay? And that's why he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. To always have more. That's abundance. And that's why when you see Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and I think several instances, I think there's 4,000 and other figures, yeah? there's always something left. Onashiba na inabaki. 12 baskets are left in the, in the instance of feeding. Because our God is a God of 
not just meeting our needs, but of abundance beyond what you need. And that's the truth of the scripture. And if I know that's the case then, why, why don't I have it? Or why, why do I have struggle? Why am I in lack? Yet God's word says, I should not be lacking. He even goes on and says, in now from verse 31 to 33, he says, so do not worry what we shall eat, what we shall drink. He repeats again, or what we shall wear. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so he's, asking, he's saying, basically saying, where will I get this? I need to get this. I need to hustle. I need to do what? That's what the pagans do. But we who are believers should not and should look to God for these things. And so my, my, my exhortation this morning would be that let's seek the Lord concerning all our situations of need. Let's trust in the Lord. And it looks like I may be speaking, uh, what do you call it, Chai Christianese, superlatives. But look to him and state your need to God. Come with this word and say, Lord, you've said this. What do I do in my situation? And that's why I talk about seeking the Lord for all your needs. Now, seeking God is not Maumbia, five minutes to memaliza to meenda. I think one of the things I've been, we've been talking with the pastors is that we, begin, we need to begin to teach ourselves and each other how to do some of these things. Like we've, we've been talking about prayer. We're teaching about prayer. See, so praying is done like this. We need to teach about what do you do to seek God? All right. And I find that uh, seeking God requires time. It requires um, it's, it's effort. I, I remember um, many years ago, a friend of mine, we had just left, uh, we were, I was in campus, he was just, we just, he just left high school, he didn't go to campus, but he was looking for an opportunity and we'd stayed a whole year without work. And we decided to pray for a whole month and we met almost every day to pray for that need. It's not the only thing we prayed for, but we prayed for several things. So you meet, pray for almost every day at lunchtime for a whole month. And God miraculously came through. You know, and, and as you pray, as you seek, there's a way that God brings things around. You'll meet with someone who gives you some information that tells you about something that then you do and you get. In this instance, there was somebody within church who was not sure. They were looking for some intern at their place of work. They were not very sure that he would be able to do it, but they got him to do it. He got into the industry and is now one of the leading uh, industry experts in that area many years later. Spending time to pray. And that's why Jesus says, knock, knock, knock. You remember that? Knock, knock, keep, keep at it. So one of the things about seeking God, it takes time. You need to do that and perhaps get somebody else, pray on your own, pray with somebody else, pray with your DG, keep on praying for these things and bringing it to God over and over and saying, God, I am looking to you to intervene. We are coming to a period of fasting this coming week. What are the concerns and the needs that you have 
right now that are not aligned to what God says, that you should not worry about what to eat or to drink or what you will wear, because that's abundance. I thank God that he has blessed me now abundantly. There might be seasons of testing, but generally God deals with us in abundance, right? We should not be concerned or worried about these things that other people run about uh, in. And um, one of the other things is just going into the scriptures as you seek God. I've told you here about browsing through the scriptures. We spend a lot of time focusing on current talk of what's going around and all that, the amount of time. I don't know if you have an app that tells you how much time you've spent on social media, do you? It gives you an update every week. This week you've spent two hours more than last week on media. You have that? How many hours are you doing? Those ones who said, yeah. Did he tell you something like nine hours? To say more quickly, to... twelve hours. Me, I've had twelve hours. Yeah? I tell you, a Bible app. Twelve hours, I've been YouTube, But you can also spend that time in just looking at... And this is what you do. I, I like using a physical Bible. Just take the Bible, open a portion, and read through. You'll find it refers to something else. Go to that something else. Look at it. You end up finding that you're skipping around the scriptures like that. Ultimately, God's word comes. And there's nothing as beautiful as sensing this is God's word for you. Eh? There's like a warmth that comes. You remember when the, the, the people on the road to Emmaus, I don't know if it's Emmaus or Emmaus, but the road to Emmaus, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when Christ shared the scriptures? Now, that's the same thing that happens when you get into the scriptures. Just, it might be difficult at first. It might feel like, oh, it's just white, uh, you know, black on white. But read it. Go on. Get on. Be consistent. Eventually, you'll find yourself, get, the Holy Spirit leads us. And the biggest area the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the scriptures. And if you find nothing else, you'll find the encouragement that comes from the scriptures. And so you might be in a tough season and it's tough time. Things might not be coming through but you're encouraged because of God speaking to you through the scriptures. And it can come through uh, in many ways. I know as I've shared the testimony of my wife here, who for three years we've been, we were praying for her, for her to get work. Three solid years, yeah? Slightly more, actually. Three and a half. And, you know, we kept at it, kept at it. And then all of a sudden, one day, she gets an email from someone who had seen her LinkedIn profile, asking for her CV. And they're like, yeah, what to? What after them jingas here, Mimi? But anyway, she follows up, gets a call, and, and in two weeks, she had been hired. Three years of waiting. God accomplishing his work. In two weeks, you're from unemployed to CFO. Two weeks. People don't hire that quickly. But that's what happens. And so God is able to meet your needs when he says that. And he says, if you don't do that, that's how the pagans live. And, and, and you know, for us in this season, remember our church verse, Daniel 11, 32b, that says what? The people who know their God will do what? Will do exploits. And exploits are those uncommon feats, things that we accomplish through God's power. And I believe that's by understanding now that God owns everything, and therefore he's able to meet my needs and moving in that. So even we as a church, 
I'd like to challenge us. We, we've been considering about having our own property here in Nairobi South. We know the property prices in this area, eh? but we need to get a place of our own. God owns everything. And I want to challenge you in this next week as we are praying and fasting. Come before God and use that and say, God, you own this land in South Nairobi South. And let's seek him. Let's ask him to give us land, property, a place where we can use to as a, as a ministry center. So that's one of the implications. If God owns everything, then he's able to take care of me. He says that in his word. And I pray that in your circumstances right now, in the coming week, we will see God's intervention and God coming through, however tough those situations are. It could be a student who's looking for fees, somebody who's not worked for a long time, you don't know what to do, you have no clue, people are putting you under pressure, but in the next week, in the coming season, let's seek God specifically and ask him to come through for us, and he will do that. The second thing I need to do is to surrender. If he owns everything, including myself, what else can I do but surrender? And surrender begins by making a commitment to God from, that from today, everything in my life belongs to you, and that going forward, nothing will be more important than God, including my own life. And I will not hold anything back from God. And so surrender begins and is sustained by that decision, that everything I want to give belongs to God. And it's not a one-time affair, it's a daily practice. It's essential that we keep doing that daily, giving ourselves to Christ in surrender. And it's not an easy thing. The story, you've heard this story of a, a gifted tightrope. These guys walk through a tightrope eh? from one side of the building to the other. And so he came and he had a huge audience and said, okay, can I cross? Yeah. So he went from one side of the building over a tightrope, you know, the way they balance, to the other side. And everybody went, yay. Then he said, you know what? I can do that with a wheelbarrow. So he took a wheelbarrow and pushed it right through, balancing again to the other side. And everybody went, yay. Then he said, you know, I can actually do what? I can do it with a wheelbarrow, a load on the wheelbarrow. So he puts a gunia on the wheelbarrow, across, and everybody goes, yay. And now he says, okay, guys, you see, I can believe that, yeah. Can I have one of you come and sit on the wheelbarrow, and I push you across? <laughs> uh, nobody did, eh? <laughs> and that's surrender. Because you're totally giving yourself over to someone else to do as he, I mean, so that you're you're not in control of anything, but you're totally dependent on their ability to take, you know, in this case, to take you across. That's what surrender means, and it's not an easy thing. And um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, you know that verse. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. The life I live in the body, uh, no, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the, and the secret to that joyful and fear-free life is not owning more, it's actually owning nothing and surrendering it totally to God so that he's able to do anything in your life. So then which means that we should consult God as we do things. You know, sometimes we feel, nimepata salary yangu, 10% yako God, uku kuingine niwachie nifanye vile nataka. But God should, we should be able to surrender that to God and find out what he wants to be done with it. If God is really the owner, 
my focus will not be uh, will be on seeking what he desires for his resources and not just resources i know uh, I, I don't know if i have time to share this but the um, when i look at my life one of the things that i i feared the most i don't know what you fear the most in terms of wanting to surrender to god eh watu wengine ufikiria eh nikisurrender to god he can make me poor <laughs> i don't want that so you struggle and say no wacha nijitafutie does that happen to us for me it was one of the things called the americans call it um not looking like a jack jack ya jrk uskaifala uskaimjinga you know the way that now you're going to be a pastor and the impression people have of pastors so it's a issue of reputation sindio I remember pastor emozia once and he was asking us what is our picture of an anointed minister ni mtu uko na kibibilia kikubwa ameshika hivi na na koti ingine iko sijuaje imevalo na tie tofauti na trousers za white <laughs> you know just looking stupid eh? not being cool eh? and i think for me it came from the first i got i became a believer i got saved when i was in class 8 and it was not out of fear of exams no not not quite it was way before the exams eh? and then when i went into high school and i won't say which one but it was the same high school as uh, ranja here i came to discover first day in class we had a father who had because we were on video i don't want to quote him a catholic priest from the society of jesus and he asked how many in this class are saved mimi huyo were like three of us out of our class and it was an elite school so you know he he started from that moment for the next hour he started telling us how stupid it is to say you are saved because everybody is saved disparaging kabisa hey, no 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 i die with boxes and diagrams and yeah, yeah. so as he was going on you're like ulikuapa the next is <laughs> and so for that from that moment i was afraid of expressing in fact i went underground I stopped being a, a believer essentially because I just became like every other student until I left high school and I got to the point of beginning to ask myself what is being born again I was so down I started to the point of does god exist I think I told you this story before so let me not go on does god exist is where I went back to and the fear of appearing fala because tulifanya mafala mbele ya watu wengine has continued to plague me I think as I've gone on and so the thing about god is are you ready to surrender your reputation has always been the thing for me uh because you want to feel like you have it so i understand teenagers you're cool you're with it but does god want to embarrass me no and so we need to come to the point of saying god i surrender because i belong to you i'm yours do as you want with me and that's part of the reason why i'm a pastor here this morning and this season because it's just an answer to god okay i'll do what you want i'm your servant and forget about reputation and so on i will do what you want and so if it's really god is the owner we must be able to surrender and there's some things he tells us that you know we don't have to keep seeking every time there's wisdom he's given us there's his word that has directed us so if there's things to do with like you know honor your parents you know you know you need to honor your parents isn't it he says uh, don't take debts the things that will make you a slave there's truths that we live by uh, and as we get to understand the financial principles we know we need to pray we need to seek god 
And actually, the thing that eventually becomes the habit of a surrendered person is actually asking the Lord every time, what would you want me to do now? And being open and ready to do it, even if it's contrary to what you expect, your neighbors expect, your parents expect, your friends expect, and be surrendered to the fact that, God, I will do what you want me to do. So we've said that the implication is that he can take care of us. Uh, we need to surrender. And lastly, is that then we need to believe in generosity. And we need to give in faith. We need to act in faith. One of the ways we show that we trust God and we believe his, his word is true is by tithing. And I say it's a difficult thing to say right now, but I need to say it because I believe it strongly and it's worked for my life. That you see, when we tithe, we're actually telling God, everything belongs to you. And so what's 10%? Here is 10% to recognize, to say, Lord, it's yours. And God asks us to do that. And people give examples, or you give a child something, and then you ask it from them, they're like, eh. we tend to be like that. And yet there's more from the person who is asking, uh, who, is, who is giving you, who is God. And uh, it's an act of faith. Even if you're in, especially if you're in a difficult circumstance, let me say this. Eh? People usually go to the tithe and say that's the first thing that goes away. Essentially what you're doing, you're opening yourself up to a curse, as God says in Malachi chapter 3. You know that scripture. I could read it. Because it says when you tithe, test me and you'll see this. I'll fill your bun to overflowing. I'll keep pestilence away from you. I'll protect you. And so, I have said it here before, every act of faith, including miracles, have a show, yeah, everything that has come to a miracle, have a show of an act of faith before it comes through. It was not until they stepped into the Jordan that it parted. It was not until Moses stretched his knee, and usually it will be embarrassing, something that could be embarrassing. Imagine, stretch out like this. And then the sea is just looking at you. Or Elisha or Elijah coming and, you know, using their cloak to strike the river and then the river just stares. So, but in striking the river, it's an action of faith that leads to, to the thing happening. And tithing is one of those things. You're saying, God, I trust you to supply my needs here. I believe that you'll do the rest. And I can tell you from my experience and the experiences of people I know, that has resulted in blessing. I've been through difficult times. I mean, there's a time I stayed out of work, I think I've told this story before, for a whole year. But I did my tithing, 11 months actually. But I did my tithing. And God sometimes allows us times of testing. But they, they don't last. I believe strongly that as believers... We should always be in the place of abundance. At whatever level, our needs are more than met consistently, unless it's a season of testing. And if it's not the case, then ask yourself, are you tithing? You know, there are friends of mine who at one point, hey, anakuja nakupatia story, anakombia maze, uko kwetu, I don't know, jobo, they've chopped us this much, I don't know, we didn't do this, that something has happened, tumekatoyo pesa. Kidogo, he's trying to move houses, amenda, he's been conned, the whole rent, by some agent, money disappears. Kidogo, 
kuna sijui somebody in the family is sick needs to do this or something so money keeps going out going out going out if that's happening in your circumstances and situation i can promise you okay let me not promise you but <laughs> i think certainly you should look at the issue of tithing and in this case i asked my friend hey by the way bro umekukitaith things have been tight these last three months but what has happened is that you open yourself up to those things and so I say again my experience and the experience of the scriptures and I think what the Bible says is that we should be in a place of abundance if you're not making wrong decisions if you're not surrendered to God if you're not tithing perhaps but if you're then there will be a season of abundance you'll always have yourself provided in fact people will be thinking you are richer than you actually are. Unajivula tu beba wengine. Vitu za dunia wanapimana hivi eh. So wanakuweka gahapa because of the way they perceive that you are blessed. The Lord keeps even sicknesses from away from us. And so I'd like to challenge you if it belongs to God he's able to take care for you, surrender everything to you, to him, but also generously give and especially in the area of tithing bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house uh, test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it certainly abundance is a list of that statement sindio you can't be in luck with that statement and it's happening so don't open up yourself to a cast by not tithing but please do so and then finally just remember that Whatever God gives you is entrusted with you and that's why you need to be generous. He says that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. This is Luke 16 chapter 10 verse 10. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So start by being faithful with whatever you have. Start where you are and desire to continue giving and showing generosity in faith that god is able to meet all your needs amen